0: whatever i do moving forward even if i stay in the industry i want to ultimately have some type of organization where i'm creating this kind of development for other people whether you know some type of training some type of development where people are learning more about themselves more about how to be performers and different ways for them to do whatever they know how to do even better
1: On today's episode of Unmet Need, I interview Samuel Adyenko, President and Founder of Evolve Your Success. This particular episode is important because it builds upon the last episode I did on how to gain access to our customers in medtech. I met Samuel about a year ago, and he's been coaching our team at Providence Medical Technology. I really think that content creation to really break through the sea of sameness and gain attention to our access customers is going to be a key feature. I really think content creation and cutting through the sea of sameness is going to be a key feature of successful medtech commercial strategies. Hope you enjoy the episode. And on today's episode, we have a guest. I know I've been promising a guest for a few weeks now, and the timing could not be better to accompany this arc of the physician-entrepreneur. We've talked about a lot of different things in starting a company, but should you as a founder get to the point of commercializing your medical device or or a product, you're going to want to hear this episode. Samuel Adienko is the founder and president of Evolve Your Success. He's also the host of one of my favorite podcasts, the Medical Sales Podcast. And the title alone speaks to Samuel's background. We have a lot in common in that he also was a pharmaceutical sales rep. He did medtech sales. He worked his way through different parts of companies, but now he is an entrepreneur and he's building his own business and really scaling it by being a value to other medtech innovators like what we're doing at Providence. So there's a lot to get into here. We're going to try to keep it tight, but Samuel, thank you for being on the podcast.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Glad to be here. Thanks, Jeff.
1: You're welcome. Been really looking forward to this. And just for the audience, Samuel and I talk often So even though we have these 30-minute intervals where we speak and really talk about him coaching me and our team, what I look forward to the most is our conversations we have about entrepreneurship. And so you'll want to keep an eye on Evolve Your Success. And you can find them at evolveyoursuccess.com because that business has a lot of potential. I would also follow Samuel because I don't believe Evolve Your Success will be the last thing he does. So with that intro, Samuel... Put it on a timeline for us, just a couple of minutes. Where did you grow up and how did you arrive running this expanding empire? Involve your success. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I'm a California native. So I came from California. The Bay Area is where I originated from. And in in the early days, I wanted to get into medicine and I thought I wanted to be a physician. So it took me to UC Riverside, where I went to go study biomed. I was in the biomed program. But in that process, I kind of learned that there's another side of medicine that intrigued me even more. And that was the business side. Started studying with a scientist. And we were working on diuretic for the kidneys. And in that, in working with him, he introduced me to pharmaceutical sales. He said, you know what? You got the personality for this and you have the business interest for this. There's a whole business side of medicine that you should look into and it's called pharmaceutical sales. And he told me about medical device sales. And so I looked into it and I found interest right away. I got my first role with uh, GlaxoSmithKline back in the day. And it kind of took me down this path of uh, pharmaceutical sales and then biotech sales. You know, in that process, though, I experienced a lot of different things. And life events would happen like they happen to anyone else. And actually, there was a life event that kind of rocked my world a little bit. And that's a divorce. And it happened pretty early on as a young man. And it introduced me to personal development groups. I was in a pharmaceutical role. Career was just flying. I was performing, you know, top of the company, doing really well. And then this life event happened and it just knocked me for a loop. And I started asking myself, you know, how do people get back into the right state of mind to conquer and just really conquer their lives and make things happen after a personal setback? And I was introduced to these developing groups. You know, you might have heard of them. Landmark is one of them that's popular. Clemmer and Associates. Uh, Tony Robbins-ish type to type feel, Les Brown. I'm sure people are listening and kind of nodding their heads to some of it. And I was fascinated. You know, they showed me a whole new way of living, a whole new way of being. That kind of brought me back to not only perform professionally, but this whole new level of personal development that I wanted to take into my professional career. And that's when I decided, you know, whatever I do moving forward, even if I stay in the industry, I want to ultimately have some type of organization where I'm creating this kind of development for other people, whether, you know, some type of training, some type of development where people are learning more about themselves, more about how to be performers and different ways for them to do whatever they know how to do even better. So long story short, it brought me to ultimately starting this company called Devar Success. And in the beginning, you know, it was me, the trainer, training all sorts of sales reps. So think about people in the food sales. Think about real estate agents. Think about resort sales. I mean, you name it. I was training people in how to be better sales reps. This kind of introduced me to... Well, when they found out my background, they would all say, wait a minute, you know, I've always wanted to get into pharma, or I'm so curious about medical device. And at that time, we were training pharma reps, we were training medical device reps, I mean, really any kind of sales rep. But then I saw that all these people outside the industry wanted to be in the industry. And that's when I realized, you know what, something needs to exist where people can come from any industry and be able to showcase their skill set to get into the medical sales industry. Hence, one of our flagship programs, the Medical Sales Career Builder. And that really kind of created this whole opportunity to work within the medical sales space and help people get into the industry. That continued also with our sales training. So we kind of nuanced our sales training a little bit more. For people that were outside the industry, we helped them get in. And for people that were within the industry, we helped them perform better. And we were utilizing online tactics to do all of this. So social media was something that just came natural to us. You know, I'd like to say that most millennials I am a millennial, but I'm like the last bastion of a millennial. And, you know, most millennials were very accustomed to social media. It's kind of been there all the way back to the MySpace days. So marketing, utilizing social media was kind of a natural thing for us. And it just came organically to us. We started seeing, though, that it was very useful to get a position and also useful to sell. And we started seeing more and more professionals utilize social media to sell and then COVID happened. So, you know, our company really took off at the kind of the idea phase was 2018, the actual, you know, traction pen to paper and making things happen in execution was the end of 2019. And that's when, you know, COVID was just around the corner. So we were already saying, you know what, social media is going to be the future. We need to make better ways for sales reps to use this to be more effective. And then, you know, I don't even know if it was just fake, but COVID hit right when we kind of had, you know, we kind of figured it out. It just took off because it made too much sense. And what was kind of like a, you know, a nuanced luxury to kind of dab into social media and try to get access became the mode of getting access. Social media became the theme, it continued to grow. And that's when we said, you know what? this is it. And that's when, you know, for one, as you know, Jeff, it's always been an issue to have access in the pharmaceutical medical device. You know, let me just generalize it. Any medical sales industry where you need to get access to health administrators or physicians, there's an access issue. You have, you know, either the accounts that just believe that a sales rep is just too much of a time, time waster in their opinion. You have the accounts that just had health administrators that believed it, but the the physicians didn't. And you had just, The fact that so many reps are coming into the fold and there's too much competition and accounts are just saying, you know what, we don't have the time. So this kind of made sense when COVID hit for everyone to go to the social media route. And not only that, there was research now to back that up. You know, when we met Jeff, you know, I was able to showcase a lot of the research by Gartner and how they have data that just proves that not only was it in the medical sales space that the customer did not really want to experience the sales rep for a number of reasons, just in general, business in general. The customer does not want to experience a live sales rep as much as they prefer to go online and make decisions based on their own research. And that just created a window of opportunity for a sales rep to become part of that decision making process by having a social media presence with a social media brand that carried a message that Facilitated what their company wants to put out there and brought into what they want to put out there as an individual. When you marry that and you focus on that and you stay consistent with that for just as short as six months, you can go from an obscure sales rep trying to get access to the sales rep that actually, that actually has your customers searching for you who want to get in touch with you. And we were able to do that with clients and things just continue to happen. Ultimately, Jeff, you and I met and now we're doing it together. It's been quite the journey and it, it's been very exciting.
1: Love it. Thank you for that background. And I appreciate you, your vulnerability and telling us about your early days. And it's funny, like when I think about kind of kind of mental map for what you just said, it's like we all start off, we go to school because it's the law. (laughs) Right. Right. And then if we're lucky enough, we get turned on by some subject. We're naturally curious. It sounds like for you, a science leaning towards medicine And it's one of those great, you know, we both know Jeremy Lane or start by starting. You take a step to UC Riverside and through the work that you could have never planned that you might do and your mentor get exposed to business and science and pharmaceuticals. And what I'm really interested in, because I think it is core to the entrepreneur journey, which is life happening. Life shows up. We write everything that we can do to plan for success in our business, but ultimately to be happy. You can do everything right. And there's just things that are going to be out of our control. And I have, you know, many friends. I've also, I've been married 18 years. Not every one of them did I know I would get out of it married. And I've learned to take it like I'm going to try to be married and happy and a good husband today. And we'll see how (laughs) it's When I've had those issues and I've thought deeply, like, what will it mean about me, my identity, my image? And it's just so funny listening to you on the other side. Because when half of the population goes through this transition of getting married to being unmarried, it's so normal, except when it's happening to you. And so I love that after, or maybe in the midst of going through that, you turn toward personal development. And what a productive and healthy thing to do when you reach an inflection point, something gets stale. I mean, there's so many parallels to draw in our careers, but the core theme, which I look for, and I try to... Preserve and foster in myself his curiosity, the willingness to be open to new ideas and ultimately a bias towards growth and development through action. And we could talk all day about GlaxoSmithKline. Did you sell a Coreg by any chance?
0: No, I'll do you one better. I sell Coreg CR. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I saw Torporol XL indicated for oh, heart wow. failure at 25 milligram starting dose.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. You took it way back there.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want that BID, law stuff, that's fine. But <laughs> in any event, no, but there's a lot to unpack there. But I think where your career has went, there's obviously some consistent themes, discipline, constantly trying to improve and, and be better at your craft and your profession. But what I love about this is You know, on my website, jeffsmith.co, I talk about, I look for as an entrepreneur, as advisor, as an angel investor. There's a number of different patterns that I look for on where I'm going to invest my time and energy. And obviously, like the qualities that you just described, curious, a rule follower, but not compliant, always looking for a better way. Someone that takes everything how it is today, ask why. And reduces every business or problem to first principles as right. you've done with access as the first principle problem of sales and employing technology to come up with a solution but the thing that you can't plan for other than the fact that it always happens are societal shifts often than the result of a black swan event like nirayal describes a black swan event like a global pandemic And a black swan event like COVID-19, it usually doesn't create completely new societal shifts that weren't already in motion. Yeah, it's a a catalyst. It's the catalyst. But for folks that listen regularly, I talk about building upon, build your solution upon a platform and enabling technology that gets exponentially better without you doing anything. Right. And Zoom, which we're using to record, it could be a number of other services. But Zoom was only able to exist because of infrastructure that came before it. And so if I think of the billions of dollars of capital invested into the Evolve Your Success platform that you didn't have to raise, you didn't have to solve the problems, that's the kind of tailwind that it just gives you a better chance in a very difficult journey. So I think what I'd love to go from here is maybe just a personal story and very quick, which is that catalyst, COVID-19. If so I go back, it's April, 2020 yeah. at Providence, we're coming off a great year. We just raised a big round of financing led by a new investor. And, you know, we're starting to enroll our prospect randomized control trial. Yeah. First quarter's off to a great start. COVID hits and our board of directors, we determined that the most prudent thing to do, given that we had no idea when surgery would start again, was to assume no revenue for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. We made a decision that we weren't going to try to do a new financing. So we had to get really cost conscious and really only invest in things that were going to work. Sure. So it's April 2020. We're all sheltering in place. I got three kids at home and my wife, who's the best talent acquisition professional I know and headhunter of great talent, she was working at Providence and we laid her off. Wow. So talk about uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, very uncomfortable.
1: She had plenty of opportunities, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But we'd furloughed 30% of the company, which ended wow. up in a 20% layoff. Wow. And in that year, we had a goal to be sustainably profitable. So we had to relook at everything that we were doing. Yeah. And to me, like the best way of looking at is the MedTech commercial model viable, is how many dollars of growth does the company get if you invest $1? Sure. Now, the timing is coincidental, and it's all because this is a topic to be talking about right now. I get a call from one of my most supportive board members today. He's like, hey, I just did a complete analysis of all the publicly traded companies that are in emerging growth medtech. Mm-hmm. And there's really two groups. There's one group that now they're all growing north of 20%. Okay, None of them's is growing 100% like you see in other industries where that's expected. A software as a service business, you double every year. Right. But a uh, screaming growth med tech companies growing 30, 40%. Now, if you just take a list of the publicly traded med tech companies that are considered a growth business, meaning they're valued in the multiple of revenue versus the multiple of earnings. Medtronic, multiple of earnings. Treese Medical in the foot space, multiple of revenue. Okay. Now, so I won't list all the companies, but three of these companies I know really well. Incredible spine businesses, publicly traded. At one time, their market cap last year was almost 2x what it is today. But they're trading at three times revenue, despite a high growth rate. Sure. The other group of companies, which is a little bit smaller, they're trading at seven and a half times revenue. Wow. The point that my investor was making, which was very obvious, is the companies that are valued at three times revenue, it takes them almost $2 in an in investment in operating expenses to get a dollar out. Now, if you were to go back over the last thirty years in med tech, there was a time when you could put in less than a dollar to get a dollar of growth. And now we have companies that awesome products, great management teams, direct sales forces, big education and training programs, differentiated technology, IP, clinical evidence, reimbursement. Why does it take two bucks to grow one? And that, in my opinion, which is the segue to this discussion and what I was referencing in my last podcast on access is it's because the model itself is becoming less effective every day. Yep. When we were drug reps, we had kind of a cool trade. It's like you sign my computer. I have to see you do it. (laughs) So I'm going to get five seconds to sort of like, you know, ask you a question, try to get your attention, maybe extend it to 30 seconds. But the minimum, I can tell you that Crestor reduces LDL by 45% at a low 10 milligram starting dose. <laughs> don't forget Torporol XL is on Medi-Cal. You're going to get a touch. Now, we couldn't do that if we didn't have the samples. In MedTech, we don't have that dynamic. But as you and I both experienced, even when samples free product is being given to the doctor, when there's 14 reps a day offering you roughly the equivalent products. It's a nuisance. So fast forward to MedTech, when you're an operating room, sales rep, you know, you get to be there for the case. And all of my mentors in MedTech sales, the scrub sink, you get to know the people in the OR, the circulating nurses, like a full okay. OR sale, because when you do have a case, there's so much opportunity to be there early, do in-services, but that all changed in part by COVID, but it was actually towards the late end of that, it was that hospitals don't want salespeople running around the hospital. It was happening before COVID. Way before, like rep tracks and telecentric. Yeah. So where we are today in medtech is nobody wants to do lunches, very difficult to get a surgeon and her partners to sit down for 30 minutes. We do them anyway, because sometimes it works, just right. like dropping off information, So as I look at it today, if you give me a territory and you give me 20 prospects, I will spend the first three months prior to meeting you, I would spend the first three months getting to know everybody at the office staff that is not the target surgeon. Sure. With simply the task of trying to build trust and credibility and be different. Now that takes a long time, takes a lot of discipline, it's a lot of driving, gas, seven bucks a gallon in the Bay Area right now, and it just doesn't work that well. So. Cadaver labs are great and get people to show up. They're not happening that often because it costs a lot of money. And if only three people show up, you've invested a lot of time. Yeah, it's not a return on investment. Every level of the sale, if I go backwards, remote case coverage is happening. There's multiple companies. I think Avail Med Systems is very cool. That's just one example, but there are many. Then there's, so that's on the case coverage side, the logistics and fulfillment. They're Mm -hmm. sterile packaged. For better, for lack of a better term, kind of like candy dispensers right. on something. It's like it's, where, it's like how we get our scrubs in the OR sometimes. And then you just keep going down. But the last part of it, where I think it's because the leaders, the commercial leaders of our industry, tend to be a little older than millennials. Right. And so we all tend to lean on what worked for us back when we were
0: selling. When it comes to marketing, you know, medical sales is the last bastion of innovation. All
1: right, folks, that's all for today. But thanks for listening to another episode of Unmet Need. Hope you found something on the show today to be useful. And as always, please reach out to me. My website's jeffsmith.co. That's J-E-F-F-S-M-I-T-H dot C-O. You can also look for me on LinkedIn or all social media platforms. The point of this podcast is all about the physician entrepreneur. I'm looking forward to meeting you. I want to help you on what you're doing. So don't be shy. Drop me a comment on social media or just send me an email at jeff at jeffsmith.co. And as always, stay tuned for the next episode of Unmet Need.